Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, you can find me on Twitter at jadeoxidrose, and I use they-them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we're talking about number 16, The Warning, which is a Jake book. Um, it feels like forever since we've had a Jake book. It really does. Uh, Not just because of that real long gap that it took us to record the Antelite Chronicles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that mm -hmm. certainly didn't help. Yeah, well, it's part. It's also because like he's the beginning of the the cycle, mm. and so it's just there's been a full set of books in between then and now. Yeah. Um, I did not add any additional content warnings. Did you think of any? Mm -mm. Okay. Uh, well then, uh, content warning for cannibalism. Uh, not humans. Not humans. Uh. Not taxons either, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's not like actively described, but it's definitely yeah. mentioned uh, and implied in horrifying fashion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the animorphs so, way. The animorphs way. Um, all right. So. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of feelings about Jake. It's very early in the day still for this to happen. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yeah, I said I wanted to mention this briefly before we get deep in, into talking mm -hmm. about the book specifically. And I think, and this is, I feel, true of a lot of media, mm -hmm. leader characters can be very difficult to focus on, mm -hmm. I think, because of like the onus of responsibility and stuff like that and the sort of role they have to play in a group, they're not often the fun one or necessarily mm -hmm. the charismatic one or the toughest. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, I don't know why this is, probably because there's been all the chatter about it uh, this week at time of recording about the uh, failed CW pilot, but I was just thinking, like, how many people's favourite Powerpuff Girl is actually Blossom? I can't mm -hmm. think of anyone who that's the case is. And it's very rare, like, when you think about groups, like, when you ask people who their favorite character is, it's very rarely a leader. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very often a thankless chore, <laughs> as yep. it were. And as, a, as we get to see from Jake's point of view, a position rarely relished mm -hmm. unless somebody is power hungry. And then that's all that is inevitably painted as a bad thing. And you're not supposed to admire that trait right in fact often the sign of a good leader in is we see them immediately somebody that didn't choose to be this mm -hmm. who bears it with grace but doesn't relish in it right um mm -hmm. and what struck me reading this book through um about jake's view of leadership um and how he perceives it Mm -hmm. It manages to simultaneously, and we've mentioned this before, be very childlike. It's a it's a child's understanding of what being a leader is, mm -hmm. while at the same time being so upsettingly aware, mm -hmm. in a way that I feel a lot of adults aren't, about yeah. what being a leader entails. And that sort of push and pull between those two instincts just 
plays up the tragedy of it to me Mm -hmm. and makes me want to fight things frankly yep Yep. it's uh and it's also like we talk about jake's uh, vision of leadership being childish not in the sense that it's lesser but in the sense that this is the kind of perspective on the world that we would expect a child to have yes uh because he is a child um but also everyone else is also a child Uh and so in some ways it is uh upsettingly accurate for the group that he's in yes um true to approach it in the way that he is Mm. uh and i think we see that a little bit with how things um kind Mm. of devolve in the middle here where it's like yeah jake was absolutely right (laughs) Mm -hmm. um you know he had a he had a really good read on what the team needs from him yeah the second he doesn't provide that things break down in a really awful way yeah and it's and we've commented on this before just like when one of them for whatever reason can't play their usual role or Mm -hmm. isn't playing their usual role things rapidly fall apart yep so yep yeah but uh so from this heavy ass discussion to start (laughs) let's jump into the possibly the most (laughs) 90s of intros because holy shit so much this is what happens when you try to use uh, up-to-date terminology in a book because uh our our young friend jake uh intertwined with our usual info about how you can't tell your own name tells us about his uh online dealings yeah and holy shit (laughs) it's really funny because like they did a they did a reprint of the first few books um a few years back uh where they were like trying to get new people into them and so they like updated uh the the terminology to make it less dated mhm um but they only did it for like the first 10 books maybe i think oh yeah um, and so like i end up wondering like man what if they had gotten to this book what would they do <laughs> Yeah, because we have Jake uh, logging into a computer with his password, with his login ID. They've added a password, which he describes as a code word. Jesus. And then the modem dials. <laughs> now, some of you listeners may be too young to remember the dial up modem. For those Maybe of I'll us put that. the sound in here. Mm, yeah, you should drop the sound in here. Warning for. What sounds like creatures escaping a hellscape made of electronics? It's also oddly charming in its way, it but is. it is a horrible noise. Yes, it is. Um, but um, and we hear a little, get a little explanation from Jake for the reasoning for his uh, online handle, his screen name, 
mm-hmm. um, which is uh, it's B Ball twenty four, and it's to do with the highest score he's ever gotten, or he's in his best game of basketball. Right. And um, and then we have this line, kind of dumb now, I guess. Basketball isn't all that important to me anymore, and not just because I didn't make the team. It's just that I'm playing a much more intense game now. And I read that, and I had to stop for a second because I'm like, whoo, okay, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, is that like a way to – and it's entirely possible, dear listeners, that I am overthinking this because it would not be the first time. But there was something that struck me about that framing of it mm-hmm. that was just very upsetting because it's either a woeful misunderstanding or it's a way of trying to make it lighter. Mm-hmm. And then the question comes, for who? Because mm-hmm. like he's in theory by himself in this, but he's just talking to the reader. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, I don't want to put them off too soon like i don't know but it's just something that made me feel very sad yeah yeah but also it plays calls into like this is just occurring to me so if i ramble apologies but what we have started to learn about or what and what we will continue to learn about the elemist mm-hmm. and uh what's his face Krayak. thank you i was just gonna i can't call him just like space sauron I mean, I can. I mean, you can. <laughs> but yes. And that we had that, we've been learning more and more about that. I think this is our first return to Jake since meeting the Elemist and the Antelope Chronicles, if I'm remembering rightly. Uh, they've met the Elemist, but this is the first time since uh, Tobias got his morphing powers back. Um, gotcha. And it's definitely the first time since the Andalite Chronicles, because we, we first met the Elemist in Seven. Right, yes. Um, and we had uh, uh, rainforest time shenanigans in between then and now. Yes. But I suppose, so because we have started to become aware of that, and because mm-hmm. of what I've been told by Danielle and others about the nature of the game between the Elemist and Krayak, mm-hmm. seeing that come from Jake is just sort of like, dang. Yep. Yeah, we're just sad about what war does to children. Because I am. <laughs> Every damn day. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we get more exposition about Yerks and what they are and how, uh, you know, nobody knows that it's happening. We don't know how far the invasion has gotten, but they're everywhere. They can be anyone. <laughs> and then we get back to the internet Danielle messaged me this all in caps last <laughs> night, and I was like, I can only assume this is from the book that we're talking about tomorrow. I connected at 38,400 bits per second. You looked up how fast your current internet connects, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, my current internet connects at 1,000 megabytes per second. Uh Jeez. Which uh, bits are not the same as bytes. Um, so my internet right now is running at 8 trillion bits per second. A truly a darker age. <laughs> how, how did I live with this? <laughs> That's the thing. It's like 
I don't want to go back. I don't. <laughs> don't make me go back. <laughs> I know Twitter is a hellscape, but also my super fast fiber optic broadband. Yeah. That lets me yep. like make podcasts with my friends. Yeah. And watch Castlevania on Netflix. That's what I'm currently watching. <laughs> <sighs> you kids don't know how good you've got it, man. Yeah. God. God. Um, but yeah, so we have this, and this is the faster modem uh-huh. uh, than the old one, which was just uh, the whopping 14,400. Um, but uh, yeah, we get our usual sort of pop-ups, including Web Access America Visa Card. This will come again later. I assume, because it was not as prevalent here, but Web Access America is basically AOL. Right. Yeah. This is our, this is our yeah. numbers filed off AOL. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. You've got mail, mm-hmm. the computer says. Uh, he has three emails. Two of them are uh, junk. And one of them is from, uh, quote unquote, Cassie98. This is incredible. I is, love this because this, this is, this is your friend. But this is yeah. friend level. If you didn't get just how the kind of friends Jake and Marco are, this is it right yep. here. Uh, Jake, ooh, baby, you are the man for me. I love your big manly shoulders. I love your piercing brown eyes. They are brown, right? But most of all, I love the macho, manly way you boss us all around, snapping out orders left and right. I think of you as the new Clint Eastwood. I must have you all to myself. Signed, Cassie XXX. <laughs> I sighed. Marco, of course. Cassie seldom goes online and never sends emails and would certainly never send me such a stupid email. Kind of a shame, actually. But this was definitely the work of Marco using one of his many fake screen names. (laughs) Many. Just like, (sighs) bless this kid. (laughs) To which Jake, without missing a beat, replies to the email, Cassie, you know I like you too, but I have vowed not to get involved with any girl until my best friend Marco gets at least one girl to like him. And since we know that's never going to happen, I guess we'll never get together. Signed, Jake. <laughs> um, and Jake is very pleased with himself at this because Marco will get a laugh because, as as we know, Marco always looks for the humour. And as we know from his perspective in the last book, he doesn't mind if the joke's on him as long as it's a good joke, mm-hmm. which is just choice. Then uh, in a fit of just like, yeah, let's see what this does. And I was going to say, he doesn't Google it because Google was not a thing yet. Nope. He does search the internet uh, for the word yerk. And he doesn't expect to get anything because why would there be any websites using the word? Right. It's not in any Earth dictionary, which is a point they'd made earlier. But there is one link that comes up. And uh, we cut to the gang at uh, Marco's place, because obviously Marco has the best internet. Mm-hmm. And Marco's just like, there's a Yerk homepage. What do they have there? JPEGs of Yerk slugs, links to other alien invaders, websites, ads for Yahoo's alien parasite selection. Um, and it just tickles me. Yep. Uh, uh, Axe is all of us. Why is it working so slowly? It's fucking incredible. <laughs> oh, also, before we get turn to this, Axe in his human morph is once again described as disturbingly attractive. 
Mm-hmm. And I want I I have to underscore how much this bothers me. <laughs> yeah. Because one it reeks of no homo. Mhm. And that's I think that's ultimately what it boils down to because if they phrased it differently because I get like seeing somebody that you can clearly see like your cousin and your best friend in as well as yourself mm-hmm. and the girl you like. Mm-hmm. I can see how that would be strange mm-hmm. or feel and like you not quite know how to feel about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't like that they use the word disturbingly attractive. Yeah. Because it implies like it's disturbing that I think it's attractive is how that comes across. Yeah. It's it, without the context of I could see my nose in his face and it yes like and his face is disturbingly attractive because I can see my features in him without yeah. that context around it with just the disturbingly attractive shorthand mm-hmm. like yeah it, it comes off as very no homo uh, yeah if this was the first animorphs book you picked up and mm-hmm. they're designed for you to pick up any of them that's mm-hmm. why we have the intros the way that we do. It it just feels like laziness to to use that as the descriptor. Yes, and it bugs me. Also, that's a, also a teenage thing. There is nothing wrong with thinking that on an empirical level, elements of yourself are attractive. This is okay. Mm. You're allowed, and this is not me going. What? How do you answer the "Would you fuck a clone?" <laughs> conversation? This is just like it's. <sighs> anyway, I'm rambling. Mm-hmm. It bothers me. Yep. Jake, there is nothing wrong with how you look. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I will say, because I've been messaging Danielle about this, I have started picturing Axe's human morph as a young Keanu Reeves, like <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. Look it up when the hair was like long and floppy and the very youthful face, because racially ambiguous puppy dog eyed young Keanu Reeves is very good. Mm-hmm. And, and y'all should look it up. <laughs> yes it is very good um may we... this permanently affect how you think about human acts because <laughs> it has me <laughs> yep uh acts is still playing with words they're actually like really mean to acts about playing with words like more than usual in this mm-hmm. book i feel like like rachel fucking mocks him yeah. um uh which is gross um yeah apparently like she laughs and yeah because she laughs in a non-sarcastic way after he asks if it's sarcasm Mm -hmm. and yeah again we've talked about this how and like i said a lot of them are necessarily uncomfortable with it or they make fun i guess in their own head like Mm -hmm. when they're the point of view narrator Mm -hmm. marco tends to ask axe to stop it Mm mm-hmm or, like, reminds him that it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Rachel is the only one that seems to mock it. Yeah. And one that's upsetting, and two, I feel it's a lazy stereotype about blonde pretty girls. Yeah. Yeah. It It is a bit of a mean girl thing. Mm-hmm. Because Rachel isn't a mean girl. Right. Is the thing. She's deeply compassionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her and Marco are like nasty to each other, but that's part of the dance of Rachel and Marco. Mm-hmm. Except for when it gets mean, and we talked about this in the last book and how refreshingly there wasn't that there. Mm-hmm. And to see this again, 
it bothers me. And especially as we then, and I don't know if the book is like trying to course correct after that, because Jake is then talking about, um, then we get the sort of me, like, narrator's perspective on the others. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, this is the upsetting general perspective. Uh, general as in the military rank, not as in the, oh, general thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm having a day. Um, but he describes Rachel as a warrior. Mm-hmm. And that he doesn't know what she'd have been in this life if the war with the Yerks hadn't happened. But once it did happen, it was like Rachel had found her place in the universe, like it was all some inevitable part of her destiny. Per- and here's the upsetting one. Personally, I don't feel that way. I'd be happy to go back to being a normal guy. But I don't know about Rachel. There's something fierce inside her. Yep. It's remember that line because that's going to come back later. Mm-hmm. It's the over the course of the series, there is there's definitely a sense of inevitability in Rachel's storyline that the authors like hammer on. Um, in terms of like she loves this war. If the war ends, what is she going to do with herself? Blah blah blah. And it's. It's really troublesome because it it has that sense of implying like the the um soldier can't go back to being a civilian mm. um and that's not good no <laughs> um like i I can understand that they're probably trying to paint, you know, the different kinds of soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have the soldier who is a blood knight who revels in the war and uh, has a hard time disengaging from it. But over and over we get in this, we get this thing of like, not not just that Rachel has kind of found her place, but mm. that no one thinks she'll be able to leave it. Mm. Um, and or almost yeah. like she wouldn't want to. Yeah, um, and that like, yeah, that sort of emphasizes the trust. When we like have not long spent long ago spent time with the Andalites, who are such a militaristic culture. Mm-hmm. And, like, as a reflection of that and seeing what that kind of mentality does to people in the long term, to mm-hmm. have, like, Rachel painted in such a light when she is a child. Yeah. That's distressing. Yeah. But uh, for the sake of, like, countering my own argument, I also think it must be that way for somebody you've known since birth. Mm-hmm. Who's good at stuff, but no, and then just to take to this of all things. And what it mm-hmm. must be like to see your cousin, like I'm just thinking about my cousin, just like turn into an animal and then rip something apart. Mm-hmm. As a child, reconciling that, thinking, oh, okay, my cousin is a warrior, has got to be a less upsetting perspective than going, I just watched my cousin kill something for the first time, and she's really good at it. Mm-hmm. It comes back to referring to it as a game. Yeah. 
Because if you don't have to think of this in real world terms, it becomes easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I Part of the reason I find it so distressing is because in her perspective, mm. she fights against this so yes. hard. I suppose, and I and this is not me disagreeing with your point, I suppose it just underlines the way they see each other versus the way they see themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they do need Rachel to be this warrior, and so it's easier to think of her that way. Yeah. Because if they had to acknowledge her doubts about it, and we get into this later, uh, Jake goes on a little bit of a tirade, but more than fair in the moment, about what's asked of him in his mm -hmm. position. And we have yeah. him resenting it, and we have him showing Cassie specifically in the moment what him being the leader means. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's just like when we're with them in their own perspective, we get to see their doubts and the myriad of shades that go into their perspective but the way they see each other increasingly shaped by this war is marco makes a joke about everything yeah cassie feels things rachel fights mm -hmm. acts as the smart one and tobias is poor tobias most of the time mm -hmm. and there's a when we get actually we get onto tobias next in the book because he's in human morph while they're at Marco's place. Yep. Um, we have Jake's just like, the Tobias I was looking at was the same Tobias I'd first met with his head in a toilet and two bullies holding him upside down. And talks about it being an illusion, about how Tobias had broken rule number one. And there's an interesting thing about blaming Tobias there mm -hmm. for it. Um, and we have this interesting thing where he's describing Tobias as the hawk. Um mm -hmm. Oh, maybe it's later that the line comes up uh, but it feels like reading this Jake has accepted that Tobias is the hawk mm -hmm. and being human is just something he can do for a little bit at a time yeah so yeah and we then have this note of like Tobias has been changed more than any of us by all of this not just physically he's lost more given up more Mm -hmm. uh, but we find the webpage it finally loads it finishes <laughs> loading <laughs> in the time it's taken us to have this entire conversation <laughs> Jesus. The, the, the page is devoted to letting the world know about the Yerk threat uh, this is not a joke this is not the usual internet nonsense this is serious this is deadly serious which okay Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely believe a website that says that. Um, yeah. and, and they go on. They've got a bunch of different icons, uh, facts about yurks, suspected suspected human yurks, types of yurks, and chat about yurks. Uh, and I'm just imagining, you know, that 1990s website, GeoCities vibe, mm -hmm. with like the starry background and the midi music and the spinning graphics like lord it's yep it's so much <laughs> it's a fucking <laughs> mental image 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, I do love where Tobias is like, okay, if you looked at these, and Marco's just like, you disabled your cookies, right? And they just like... <laughs> That just really made me laugh. One, I do appreciate that detail mm-hmm. of Marco being aware enough and paranoid enough to do that because obviously mm-hmm. like incognito browsing and VPNs and stuff, not much of a thing then. Yeah. Uh, Cassie clearly being a bit of a Luddite, just like his cookies, disabled cookies, excuse me. And Marco's just like, ugh, come on, Cassie. <laughs> um explains what a cookie is about how it stores information yeah so and um cassie just drags computer nerds for a little bit she she went on about it for a while this is adorable (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh uh it it feels strange looking Mm. at it from this side of time yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, like, I also know so many people, like, granted, I work with, with a lot of people who are older than me, mm-hmm. um, who don't feel comfortable with technology. I had to, my, my boss likes to rant about specific terminology. Like, mm-hmm. I had to explain why a cache was called a cache or a cachet, depending on mm-hmm. who you are. Because mm-hmm. she's like, well, why not just call it that? And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. <sighs> Because that's what, what they decided to call it. Why call a dumpster a dumpster? Like, words are used then, as shorthand to explain concepts. And then it was just like, oh, they're always making up new words. And I'm there just like, this is how language works. <laughs> but okay, fine, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so Cassie being a bit of a technophobe, and that tracks with her being very earthy yeah. and into animals, and that's her field of interest. We know that, like, Rachel doesn't really have anything to say around technology in this regard. Mm -hmm. Like, we know she's savvy about most things. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Jake is comfortable using them, but then there is Axe, who is Axe about it all. Um, Mm -hmm. It is a shame that Cassie's really the only one we see, because it just sort of, like, could arguably be painting her in a bit of an unflattering light. Yeah. But Jake is inevitably kind of like... Oh, the girl looks adorable. And he probably doesn't mean it as condescendingly as I accidentally sounded there, which was not my intent. Uh-huh. Because it is like, it is the quirks we like in the people we like. Like, mm-hmm. that's what makes them endearing yeah. to us. Yeah. So, um, and Marco is allowed to mock Cassie for it, just like she mocks him for things. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Marco's just like, oh, Cassie, you don't know what you're missing, <laughs> which is just a very Marco perspective on it all. Um, uh, they look at the types of yerk page, which isn't types of yerks, but types of controllers. Really, there's a drawing of a hork bajir that is oh okay, God. I guess. Just like I'm just thinking, I, I don't know if it was a show in the stage. Just like, what kind of a yerk lives in a body like this? <laughs> uh, and a couple of other aliens. Uh, Standard Close Encounters of the Third Kind type of alien, which we know is a Skritna. Um, and one that looks like a Cardassian from Deep Space Nine and a Narn from Babylon 5. <laughs> um, which I looked up and uh, there's almost no way that these are actual aliens because they look too much like humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Animorphs is good about making its aliens fucking alien. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I can't remember what I was reading it about, like it being a spite reaction. The end, like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't want a normal looking alien? Okay, mm-hmm. have fun yep. with this. Yeah, and you the, know what? Spite is a powerful motivator, and I it applaud really it. Is. Yeah, the the Andalites were originally going to be the like Greys, um, mm-hmm. and Scholastic was like, "Oh, it's not super alien. Like that's been done before." And Ka was like, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, they ask Axe if any of these aliens look like aliens he knows. He points out the Skritna, but doesn't know any others i love i love the note my mm-hmm. brother elfangor once had some big adventure involving skritna but he never told me much about it the fuck elfangor <laughs> <laughs> i mean i wouldn't tell my kid brother that adventure either i mean maybe detail you could like fudge some details about that yeah. hey so i know you're only a kid but I gotta level with you, your big bros into aliens. And I mean into aliens. Like, no, that's not a conversation you want to have with your juvenile. And siblings. also I found this reality destroying mechanism. Like uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, <sighs> uh, I do it. Base. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, no, you're good, because I my brain just emptied of whatever thought that was just was. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's um, my fault. <laughs> uh so they go through like all the different pages, the facts about Yerks and like controllers and stuff of that. And the, the possible controllers lists like every powerful person in the country. And basically they come to the conclusion that like the, the, whatever the website is, it's a mix of real information and fake information. Like some of the things that are there are correct. (laughs) Some are just clearly, uh, conspiracy theories yeah conspiracy theories or totally made up or Mm -hmm. intentionally made up Um, yeah and that's interesting given what we learn later but uh they're ready to write this off until they see chapman's name yep on the list which like is super specific for uh, theoretically a web page that could be accessed from anywhere like yes this one assistant principal Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh um, Which is interesting. Yeah, Tobias is the one who suggests maybe it's just a trap. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I think they're uh, all thinking it. Yes, I th- it just Tobias is somebody that maybe says it out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel sort of confirms, and Cassie's the one that suggests the chat room. And apparently, there's a scheduled chat starting. Um, Marco's like, okay, well, uh, after Jake expresses fear that it's not going to be secure, Marco's like. I've got the access codes for the system my dad's work, so I can hack in. And then Axe is just like, bitch, please. He's not. He's much more polite and Axe-like about it. But he's like, I can encode Marco's software in a way that will make it impossible for anyone to trace you. Why is it called software? I love Nobody this answers him. Yeah. And Marco just like, okay, fine, you do it. Um, and then we're just like, there is only so much I can do with this very primitive system. Like I said, two-dimensional screen and actual keyboard instead of a decent psychic link, rigid codes. I'm not an archaeologist. I don't know much about ancient types of computers. <laughs> and then in like three minutes, uh, yeah. he's made the the system hack-proof. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just the visual of that being very good it, uh, happening is just very good to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get a brief explanation of what a computer chat room is. And let me uh, tell you how much the formatting in this chapter killed me. 
Oh no. I refuse to believe. I don't want to think that chat rooms were actually like that. Like, but I suppose they were. What's interesting is um, there's clearly a few people having a conversation in this chat room. And because of the character limit, yeah, uh, because apparently old chat rooms only let you do like 10 words at a time. And because people are talking at the same time, people's messages get cut up by other people's comments. Right. Because, and it's just, ugh. Yeah, I don't remember there being a character a bit limit. To do that. Yeah. Regardless, there's a number of different people in this chat room. Uh, including somebody that mentions the sharing. Some mm-hmm. we've got um in this chat room we've got Yeah Killer Nine, Go Vikes, Chaz, um, Grump eight two nine three, CKD Sweet. This is some good nineties uh online yeah. handles. Your cater with an eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. And they suss out reading all of this. Um, that there's this person, Chaz, seems pretty serious, uh, who is point, who's positing that the sharing is like a front organization. Yerk Hater is, um, maybe a controller, seems like too much to def- quickly was to defend the sharing is all just there, just like kill all yerks. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have like Gump8293 talking about, um, his dad whispering about someone called Visha or Vista or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, somebody yeah. called Meg Mom who's like, thinks Vista is a rank. Mm-hmm. And Marco susses a, like, somebody click, this is just a chat room moron about ch- mm-hmm. uh, Go Vikes. Um, we get like this snappy bit um, that Cassie observes about Gum being sad and worried about uh, his dad. And Marco and Jake um, references like because Marco just like snaps back like yeah well it's a sad world all around um and Jake's just like yeah I, I, the others had only learned recently about Marco's mum being Vissa one and because Marco is allergic to pity he has to act extra tough which is just mm-hmm. upsetting but also just points to Jake's awareness of the others their weaknesses their soft spots or their sore spots as it were mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's upsetting it is very upsetting uh so i mean you want a friend that does this you don't want somebody that's necessarily leading you into battle <laughs> and, i mean all, all you do i suppose you do but also yeah it's all the mortifying ordeal of being known the better somebody knows you the easier it is for them to hurt you mm-hmm. kind of a thing I could talk in circles about that for ages, yeah. quite happily, and also while having lots of emotions. So uh, back to the book <laughs> for now. <laughs> so through this whole hectic conversation, uh, they kind of sort of come to the conclusion that maybe some of these people are real. Like Gump seems like a real child who was worried about his father. Uh, Meg and Chaz and Carlito seem like they know actual stuff. There's a person that comes in late in the chat called Fighty, who claims to have a name to add to the list of known Yerks, um, and who who appears to be actively seeking out information. Um, and the group basically is like, well, I think this is a Yerk scam, but some of this stuff is real, so maybe some people are actually buying into it. Um, and maybe it's like some trap to find people who know about the Yerk invasion so that they can infest them. Um, 
and uh, I do they, love they... that there's this bit of back and forth um, about how um, accents is primitive um, and just like what now you have telephones why do you use this and there's this fun bit of uh, back and forth about how uh, technology must have developed very differently on the Adelaide home world because mm-hmm. uh, books came before computers and telephones before computers mm-hmm. and just makes me go, how did technology develop on the Adelaide home world? Yeah. I want to know more. Well, it must be different when you're psychic. That's like... true. That's true. Uh, but they they ask if Axe can hack the system to figure out who the real people behind these screen names are. Uh, and, uh, Axe is like, yeah, of course I can do that. This is some bullshit, like, primitive technology. But he very quickly gets very frustrated, um, because... he can't get the system to do what he wants. Right. Uh. It's not powerful enough to do how he would go about doing it. Exactly. Um, however, he's fixed it so Marker will now be able to win any online game he plays. Which, (laughs) like, how do you even fucking do that? There's so many different computer ca- computer games. Like, I mean, mid nineties, not that <laughs> significantly less than there are now. Well, but like, this is the heyday of Flash oh, yeah. games. That's true. That's I true. I don't know. Um, I do maybe appreciate he's about poker too. Like, maybe, maybe. I do like the um, when Marco's just like, I already win every game, and Jake knows that he's lying. Uh, it's just like your win and lose ratio is stored in the computer Marco you do not win every game you win 42% of the time Uh, (laughs) which is just like yes drag your boyfriend please it's it's really interesting how like this whole conversation almost reads like the chat room conversation because everyone's Mm. like people are having different conversations at the same time yeah I suppose like when it's a real life conversation it doesn't feel odd to read it i guess mm-hmm. but you, you are mm-hmm. you're well observed i guess <laughs> yeah i mean there's less interruption of like complete thoughts um mm. um but they they conclude that all right well we're just gonna have to bust into web access america hq and their main computers and get the screen names that way sure. rachel is delighted about the prospect of invading not AOL. <laughs> um, they try to figure out the best way to get there because the headquarters are located several hundred miles away. So, like, they could fly there, but they couldn't fly there in, in one day um, because they'd have to stop and demorph a few times. Um, so they decide, all right, well, we're going to take a plane, but because we're broke teenagers we can't buy tickets so we're gonna morph fly and sneak onto the plane and then just take the plane to wherever come off the plane and morph back they find a flight that's only an hour and 30 minutes so it should give them plenty of time to do everything they need although that is assuming like when they when you have flight times Uh um those are those are the in-air times not the setting up for takeoff and landing times. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely an assumption that goes in here uh, about having plenty of time to do these things. Yeah. Um, but they're at, they're sitting at the airport, like in the terminal, which if you needed a reminder that this was before 2001, here mm-hmm. you go. Um, also the part where they leave a book bag behind a toilet. 
<laughs> a simpler time. A simpler time. Um, but Marco and Jake are sitting in the terminal. They're discussing the plan, and they're like, all right, well, I mean, let's go for it. Uh, they try to figure out how they're going to find the gate that they need, and so Jake has to steal a dirty diaper from some parent that just threw one away in the bathroom and put it in a trash can next to the gate so that they can follow the scent as flies. Which is very smart. Yeah. But also... Gross. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Before we get onto what happens next, we should talk about this little exchange between Marco and Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, and this is sort of like this is the the strategist and the leader just like okay so this is what we do does mm-hmm. it matter which airline we go like troubleshooting mm-hmm. what if we need to how do we and Jake's like what if we demorph and I like that Marco is the one that offers the out it's just like you want to cancel out mm-hmm. and he decides that it's worth it um, Marco <coughs> smiled an actual non mocking smile which is rare for him I remember back when you didn't want to have to make all the big decisions. He's like, I still don't want to make them, I said. But someone has to, right? Yep. He nodded. I just want to get back to a life someday where I don't have to make decisions that might get people killed. Do you? Now Marco's smile was definitely of the mocking variety. You really think someday we can all go back to being regular kids? You think after being the leader of the animals you can go back to being Joe Average Student? Yes, I do, I said forcefully. I meant it. "Uh Uh-huh, Marco said dryly. Come on, let's round up the others. And like, damn. Yep. Uh, Doesn't feel so good when someone reads you for filth, does it, Jake? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And I feel like this is Marco trying to use humor to make a heavy situation lighter. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, come on, Jake. You really think we're going to go back after this? I don't think he's expecting Jake to reply so seriously. Mm-hmm. And and I feel this says something to Marco's perceptiveness in his way. She's like, okay, yeah, sure. Because he can already tell how much Jake's changed. I mean, how that's what started this conversation. Mm-hmm. And as like somebody that's just gone through grief in such a stark way, I think mm-hmm. Marco is possibly more aware than the others that you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Even if things do maybe change to be more like they were. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just underscores that tragedy of Jake needing to believe that he can go back. Yep. Well, heavy is the head that bears the crown. Mm-hmm. And actually this whole thing, and again, plays in later, it becomes kind of upsetting almost. And I feel like if uh, the way Axe refers to Jake constantly is Prince Jake, mm-hmm. because it's a constant reminder to Jake that he is the leader, the the weight of responsibility is on him. And I think if he would actually have had a conversation with Axe about why being called Prince Jake makes him uncomfortable, Axe would stop. Because I do think Axe is emotionally intelligent enough mm-hmm. if he knew why Jake was telling him not to do it. Mm-hmm. Because Jake says, don't call me that. And that whole group banters. Yep. 
it's he tells him not to do that in the same way that he tells him not to play with sounds or to eat mm-hmm. paper plates. Yeah. Um, and it, I can imagine it's hard for Axe to kind of find the distinction there. Mm-hmm. Between like, oh, this is just a behavior that you do that is annoying. Yes. And like, this is upsetting to me. Yeah. Because Axe is just being his authentic self and we applaud him for it. Mm-hmm. Because yes, uh, Izzy's strange alien son is going to eat paper plates and make mouth sounds and live his best life yeah. and good. But like he would stop if he knew the implications of it, I think. Yeah. Like the the reason that Axe does it is because he's millions and trillions of miles away from his home and it's the only connection he has to a sense mm-hmm. of normalcy. Yeah. Is okay, warriors going into the field have princes. If I don't have a prince, mm-hmm. then I'm just a child on mm-hmm. a planet so far away from home. Yeah. That you know, you, you can't even fathom the actual distance. Yeah. So. Ah, sad about know. axe hours. Yep. It's always sad about axe hours. That's true. Uh, it's always sad about the animorphs hours. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. Axe doesn't so, understand diapers, I guess. I mean, fair. Fair? I can't remember. It was discussed. Oh, no, we do know about, and we do know that Andalites have a toilet system. Exactly. So. We'd learned all about the stupid fucking Andalite toilet. <laughs> God. Uh, it's, it's, it's just for the sake of fucking banter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. I so do they, appreciate they, that Jacobson does it because he, and he's convinced to buy some Marco cheated when they did rock, yeah. paper, scissors it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, theoretically, Tobias can use thought speak in human morph, so. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Incredible. So they head to the bathrooms to morph. Uh, apparently the bathrooms are crowded, which makes this really strange in terms of plans. Um, Marco suggests that they all fit together in the handicap sc- stall. And Jake's like, you're not supposed to do that. Let's just each get our own stall. Which, like, Jake, you're about to break onto a flight. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe not taking up every single stall in the bathroom is a good idea <laughs> and it turns out it is a bad idea to take up every single stall um so tobias demorphs into bird and this is i think where that uh detail that you were talking about earlier comes in mm. um about how yeah Funny how even I was used to the idea that the real Tobias was the Tobias with the fierce golden brown eyes and beak design- designed to tear flesh apart. Mm. Um, I um, also uh, looping back to what I said earlier, the fact that he says, because um, I highlight this, funny how even I was used mm-hmm. to the idea. Mm-hmm. And this consistent behavior from Jake about holding himself to a higher standard or separate to the others. Mm-hmm. Because he should know better, question mark? He should be better? Because he arguably knew Tobias the most before. And even then, it's not much. (laughs) No. Uh, Yeah, it is is interesting wording Mm. 
for that. Um, Especially uh, given the way he was talking about Tobias earlier, as yeah. well, like in context with that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Tobias has the delightful experience of morphing fly for a first time. Yep. It's gross. It's always gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone begins to pound on the door to the stall because Sometimes they really, you really need gotta to go. go. Sometimes you really gotta go. Um, but <laughs> this dude takes it a step further because they don't, like, it, probably because he doesn't think anyone's in there because they're not responding back because they don't have human mouths anymore. Yeah. Um, and they're only partway morphed. This dude apparently reaches over the top of the stall to undo the latch, which like... Oh, one of those... I've I've been in ones that have like a pull-across thing at the top of the stall, but that, I suppose, mm-hmm. is so in case of an emergency somebody can get in. But also, like, how common is that? Yeah, that's that's weird. I only have... I've only seen the ones that have it in the middle. Um, so, like, I'm just imagining this dude with, like, a weird Gumby arm. Um, <laughs> Or, like, climbing the wall of the stall to unlock it, which is equally weird. Look, when you really gotta go, you really <laughs> gotta go. Um, but the dude opens the door and sees Jake and Tobias half-morphed and uh, has an understandably horrified reaction mm-hmm. and runs away screaming um, and, and is calling for the police because there's a monster in the toilet. Uh, mm mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but they finish morphing and they zip out of there. Uh, they don't know where Tobias ended up, probably because he got a little uh, caught up in the fly brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tobias comes back to himself uh, and he says, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> they try to figure out where he is because, you know, they can't see anything. And he says, well, it's smooth. It was different when I first landed here. It was smooth and white. Wet, though. There's dampness on the surface, and I think there's a big lake or something below me. Are you right side up or what? (laughs) I'm sideways. I'm sideways on a smooth, damp surface I think was white, and there's a big lake below me. And they figure out that he's in a toilet. And they're like, get out of there before someone flushes. And he's like, remember how I said it was different when I first landed here? It was light. (laughs) Now it's dark. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Thankful, there is some increased amounts of toilet humor. Yep, uh, but yep. he is able to get out. Uh, I think it's Jake um, mm-hmm. that suggests to try the space between the toilet seat and the porcelain. Yes, uh, yeah. Jake is coaching Tobias out while Marco cracks jokes. Yes, um, Axe meanwhile is listening to this in thought speak, like what on earth is going on, <laughs> trying to <laughs> suss out, like because he hasn't used a human toilet. So yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Although, theoretically, he was in the stall with one, so he's yeah, but, seen one. But, yeah, yeah, I suppose he maybe wasn't paying that much attention. It's true. Uh, he was um, probably paying attention to how to fucking balance four hooves uh-huh. in a bathroom stall. Jesus. Uh, uh, but yeah, they get out of there. <laughs> nobody explains to Axe what's going on. Uh-huh. Because nobody ever explains to Axe what's going on. Also, um, I suppose you don't necessarily want to have to explain about getting stuck in a toilet. Like I just like I don't think I could explain this to you without laughing. <laughs> uh, there's a long moment of just fucking enjoying how a fly can fly. Um, and there's some nice banter between Rachel and Marco. Um, I think the banter between Rachel and Marco specifically in this book is good. Mm. Um, because it definitely feels more like 
an exchange of wits that both of them know is like a like a almost like a bound up bout of fencing. Yes. Um, like uh, okay, this they is cool. They feel on e- said. They feel on equal footing. Not that yes. Rachel is punching down. Yes. Once you get past the fact that your own body makes you want to throw up, Marco feels that way in his human body. Rachel said gleefully. Ooh, don't hurt me with the chakram of your wit, Zena. Marco said, huh? Chakram, Marco said, like any idiot should know the word. It's the metal frisbee thing Zena throws. What? Are you people cultural morons? <laughs> um, Marco and Rachel have a strange sort of relationship. I haven't figured out whether they pretend they can't stand each other, but secretly like and admire each other, or if they really just can't stand each other. I'm not good at understanding subtle human behavior. I kind of rely on Cassie for that. <laughs> I'm going to call a little bit of bullshit there. A little bit, yeah. But I think what Jake is maybe doesn't necessarily understand where the behavior comes from, but he mm-hmm. understands enough about human behavior to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, he can recognize what's going on. He can recognize they're having like a joust. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he just doesn't... doesn't know what the intent, emotional intent behind it is. Right. Um, But this comes up, this kind of like repartee comes up a mm. couple of times in the book and i think it it is a good example of like they they pretend they can't stand each other um because they have like their own almost rules for the mm-hmm. game quote unquote yes um and and like the others will comment on like who won what round so it, I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's really interesting and I like their relationship. And I think we all, we know from their perspectives that like they, they may not like certain aspects of each other's personalities and not like agree with one another, but I think they do admire each other. Yes. Agreed. And like respect each other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I think respecting, not liking necessarily mm-hmm. is a good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. But there's definitely like, they, I definitely think they care about each other. Even mm-hmm. if it's just like by virtue of circumstance that they have to, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, yep, uh, I'm with you. Yep. Uh, but they're able to get on board the plane. They hitch a ride on some people with large hair. Um, the plane takes off. Uh, they have acts keep track of time. Uh, twenty minutes have elapsed. In the twenty minutes is how long it took them to get to the plane uh, once they morphed. Uh, it's an hour and 30 minutes flight. Uh, leaves us 15 minutes to get off the plane at the other end and demorph, uh, which Rachel Ugh. observes is, a, is not, not a lot of time. Uh, God, I, I just like think about the times I've been on a plane, just like the gate closes to yes. get on the plane like 20 minutes yeah. before the plane yeah. leaves. Yeah. And that's when it starts taxiing. Yeah. And that's like assuming this... it's not a super busy airport and you're going to have to wait half an hour to get in the air. Yeah. It's, they, when they get on the plane, it's been 15 minutes since they'd morphed in the, in the men's room. And then five minutes later, mm-hmm. they, they announce that everyone's putting on seatbelts to, to leave. Like, I want to fly on this fucking airline. I have never in my life mm-hmm. had a flight that went so fast. Even before mm-hmm. 2001. Um, See, I don't think I'd ever been on a plane before. I don't think I've ever flown pre-9-11. So. I hadn't ever flown during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure I had flown like at night to Orlando or something. Um, mm-hmm. 
which was like, it's like the flight from Miami to Orlando is like a puddle jump, basically. Like you're mm-hmm. in the air for 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, they, they're, they're, they're hanging around in first class. Nobody's really paying any attention to them because they're mostly just sitting up at the top. I do appreciate uh, the choice of first class because there actually are less people in first class. Mm-hmm. So I do think that was arguably a smart choice. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, the meal is served. Um, we know about flies and food. Fucking Marco. Fucking Marco decides that he's <laughs> got to try the food. Um, <laughs> he goes for somebody's leftovers, to be fair. He thinks it's somebody's leftovers He thinks anyway. it's somebody's leftovers. Um, and then... Uh, to Jake is Jake is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, and quite right too, because almost as soon as Marco says something about it, uh, the person whose food that he's eating says, "Excuse me, miss. There seems to be a lot of flies on this plane." Uh, and the the flight attendant's like, "I'll see what I can do, sir. I'd appreciate that. See, I am on the board of directors of this airline, and I just saw a fly land in my Salisbury steak." and it's only 10 minutes until they land which they're serving food so soon i don't whatever this airline doesn't make any fucking sense um how the other this is first class a world you and i will probably never know it's well but like even even like fucking drink service yeah 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 like they you start landing procedures like 20 to 30 minutes before you land mm-hmm. and you don't whatever it's it's <laughs> not important the important thing is that these flies uh fucking try to get the fuck out of there yeah they head out of first class towards the uh the back of the plane the, yeah um and everything seems like it's gonna be okay up until the point where jake gets swatted yeah he's caught and this is horrifyingly described. Yeah, it is a lot. Yeah, he gets uh, clipped first, and one mm-hmm. of his wings is damaged. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I was in the crack of the hand's lifeline, and because of that tiny indentation, indentation I had not died, but I was shattered. My left wing I was, was I, gone. I just going to say, I really appreciate from a writing perspective, that it was a lifeline that saved him. Mm, yeah. There's a nice little, nice little writing tidbit. I appreciate it. Yeah. My left wing was gone, ripped away. My right wing barely moved. I was blind in my right eye. Four of my legs were broken, but the far, by far the worst was that my body, my green-black body, had burst open. Uh, he says there's no pain, just terror, which... Mm. <sighs> I, I suppose... I think that could be a trauma response because your brain can't yeah. compute that level of yeah. input. Yeah. And, no, and it's fair. just loud. And yeah. just like if every neuron in your brain is firing at once, because mm-hmm. I do yeah. think you can hit a threshold of pain where it no longer registers as pain. Yeah, that's fair. And adrenaline as well. Yeah. And so much as does a fly brain produce a adrenaline? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, look, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> Trying to apply too much sci- actual science to it. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, this is distressing. Yes. Because he cannot demorph where he is because he's on right. a plane full of people. Right. And they can't wait for the plane <clears throat> to be empty 
because mm-hmm. he'll be stuck or worse he will die first right um, and jake realizes that he's feeling woozy that he's getting he says it guys i feel like maybe i'm getting weak woozy my guts are all over the place i think i might be dying mm-hmm. and it's marco right first we have the okay Marco says do more first, and Tobias is the one that points out he's squished on the ceiling. He's in front of a plane load of people. Then as soon as he says he's dying, Cassie is the one that's like, he's got a demorph. And Marco's one that reminds you, he can't, he'll be seen. There are probably controllers on this plane. And Cassie's like, I don't care, it's Jake. I'm not gonna let him die. And Jake is sort of on the verge of going unconscious mm-hmm. at this point. Tobias checks in with him. Um, and while Cassie is the one that has an idea, which just goes through that when Cassie's under enough pressure and doesn't have mm-hmm. time to think too much, mm-hmm. she can act. And then we mm-hmm. just like, as he's passing out, like good old Cassie, good old Cassie. She was so pretty. She didn't think she was, but she was. Yeah. I remember back when I first met her and Rachel was there. School? No, it was, it was. But then they're described as being monsters because mm-hmm. obviously. The flies up close when you are fly sized or half a fly sized, I guess. Mm-hmm. Gross. Um, but the others pick up what they can of Jake's fly body. Uh huh. <laughs> Just like somebody is crying, oh poor Jake, which we have to assume is Cassie. Do mm-hmm. we do we scoop up the guts or what? And I appreciate that it's not specified who says that. Because really, that I could see a couple of contenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Just Hurry, which probably Cassie or Jake, hang in there, man, hang in there, man, don't go away on us, which is just a heartbreaking way to say that. Mm-hmm. And that is Marco. And of course, Marco knows what it's like to lose somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, knows what it's like to be in this kind of position. Mm-hmm. Where he's and then, actively dying and everyone else is trying to get you to mm-hmm. demorph. But yeah, then there's a jolt. Oh man, the leg I was holding just came off. This is disgusting. Um, it's great. It's so well written. Like, we're obviously bantering a little bit as we go because this is horrifying to read. Mm-hmm. Like, it is genuinely tense. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Somebody says, don't you let him go. Don't let him go. And again, two me- double meaning there. Um, they, but they managed to get Jake into the airplane bath, into the plane bathroom. Mm-hmm. And they're yelling him to beat Demorph. I just noticed that they're yelling about yelling and bugging me. And I'm like, God damn it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take back the compliment about the heart, <laughs> the lifeline. Um, but it's Cassie's voice that Jake, this is Cassie. Listen to me. You have to do more if you have to do it now. Cassie. Oh yeah. Huh. I liked her. It's just like, Jake, kiddo. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're yelling at him to become human and he's like, sure, why not? And he starts morphing back. And as he increasingly changes, he becomes stronger. Uh, the life flows back into him. So uh, I do like how this is described, actually. Uh, yeah. A human being began to form, dictated by the patterns of my DNA, sub-microscopic codes, making a human being the way that words make a book. Mm-hmm. She's just... Yep. Uh, he returns to fully human form, 
Rachel asks if he's okay. And then we get this line from Jake. I worked my jaw. Yeah, I said. I guess so. And I just, like, I can see that Mm -hmm. happening. Like him squaring his shoulders and working his jaw as if he's making sure that it's in the right place. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, So they leave the airplane when it lands. Nobody really notices that there's an extra person that leaves with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Although they probably notice that he's wearing bike shorts and a t-shirt. Um, and no shoes. I have seen some fucking weird outfits that exactly. people put on a plane. Yep. Frankly, yep. you want to be comfortable. If yep. you're, especially if you're stuck flying coach, you wear whatever the fuck makes being on a plane more bearable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the flies go off to the bathroom to demorph, and then we get just this fucking scene. Uh, the first of two scenes we have between Jake and Cassie that are like real, real on point. Um, <clears throat> after a while, I noticed Cassie sitting down in the chair beside me. Oh, no, wait, I got to start a little further. They morphed in the bathrooms. I sat on a black plastic chair and held my head in my hands and tried to stop my fingers from shaking. After a while, I noticed Cassie sitting down in the chair beside me. She didn't say anything. She just put her arm around me and hugged me as well as she could while sitting. I closed my eyes and let her hug me, and after a while, I felt my hands shake a little less. My insides were still queasy, like I might need to throw up, but I stopped shaking. That was bad, Cassie said. Oh, yeah, that was bad, but I'm okay. No big deal. Cassie nodded and let me go. Yeah, right. Jake, it's okay to be scared. No, no, I'm fine, I said. I stood up, but my knees almost gave way. I reached back for the armrest of the chair, and then I pushed myself up more slowly. And that's the end of that conversation. Uh, hey, Jake, you almost died. As a fly. Mm-hmm. Not even in battle. Hey, Jake, you know all those conversations you've had with the others about nearly dying in Morph and how you've been really compassionate towards them? Jake? <laughs> Buddy? <laughs> Please. Ugh. <sighs> God damn it. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll ret- return to this mm-hmm. in, in a little bit. <laughs> I, I do appreciate how the boys briefly talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. Rachel's gone off to the Western Union office uh, where clever fucking girl <laughs> has wired some money so they can get shoes mm-hmm. at an airport shop. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco asks Jake if he's okay. I'm just like, better than I was. I like having my guts inside me as opposed to having them smeared all over. And twice, like, yeah, guts should not see daylight. Um, which is just from Tobias, that is. She's like, yep, mm-hmm. agreed. Um, and she's like, okay, that was exciting, but now we're here. I pointed out briskly, just like Jake, like, change the subject, get on point. We've got a mission mm-hmm. to do. Or he's, as he puts it, we have a job to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, Marco, what's the plan? Yep. Uh, so they're going to get a bus downtown, bust in, just to get to the WAA building, bust in, enter the computers, get the information, get back, catch a plane home. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, and Michael makes a joke about taking a different airline home, one that likes and appreciate flies. Um, and 
Jake tries to laugh along, but he's like de- not thinking about, he hadn't thought yet about getting home and mm-hmm. knows he doesn't want to go as a fly. Um, so, mm-hmm, please. Uh, how much do you think Marco is joking, not just to put Jake at ease, but to, uh, he's the reason that Jake got swatted mm-hmm. indirectly. Yeah. But like, it's just, just something I thought about. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but Marco also, Marco, I think, is one of the only ones who really understands what Jake is doing as the leader. Yes. Um, and we see that a little bit later also, but I think, yeah. I think this is, this is him not just joking to, put everyone at ease and to play his role but also to like set roles back on track yeah he's resetting he's setting the tone Mm -hmm. he's like okay right i'm the jokester you're the leader this is what we do Mm -hmm. 